As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to TIFO Talks, the uh, fun time miniseries, uh, eight episodes. This is episode five. And uh, this one, uh, who are we joined by, John? Well, I'm not joined by anyone because I wasn't invited to this one. That's right. You were excluded from your own podcast. That's right. And even more amusingly, I not only am I on it, but JJ Bull and Seb Staffordblore are also on it. Yes. And you're, in fact, conspicuously the only person not on it. It may be the case that the initial success of the podcast has made the rest of the group jealous yes. and they've kicked me off. That's right. And we've clamoured to join. Um, and we've clamoured to join with a, a very uh, special guest today. And that special guest is Humphrey Carr. Uh, who is a, uh, a comedian, an actor, uh, a writer, uh, but also perhaps most noteworthy for listeners of this podcast as uh, the executive director of Wrexham AFC. Yes, that's right. Have you enjoyed the series, John? I have not watched it. Okay, well, that's very much in your character, isn't it? But I can tell you that I have watched it. And whilst this isn't actually a conversation about the series, uh, it is very, very good. So if you do want to watch it, I would encourage you to do so. Um, we spoke to Humphrey about uh, the idea of sort of living out a dream. Uh, at one stage I ask him, I say, as a child you dream of being a footballer, as a young man you dream of being a football coach, and as a wise old man when you realise that your physical life is behind you, <laughs> the only dream you're left, uh, you allow yourself to continue having is maybe I could run a football club. Mm. And while Humphrey Carr admits that he doesn't run Wrexham, uh, he is in a position of, uh, of seniority and has a, a very unusual level of insight for someone who prior to arriving had zero experience working professionally mm. in football. So we talk about that, um, we talk about the state of play at Wrexham at the moment, uh, we find out how uh, Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds uh, became interested in the Wrexham project in the first place. For anyone that doesn't know, I assume everyone knows. Everyone knows. I think everyone knows. But uh, Ryan Reynolds, who is a Hollywood movie star, and Rob McElhenney, who is a Hollywood TV star, have joined forces to buy non-league Wrexham AFC. Uh, and uh, Humphrey is their sort of uh, budding friend, their, uh, their man on the ground. We should probably have begun with this bit, shouldn't we? Maybe we but, should have done. Oh, yeah. well. But anyway, uh, that's all for the intro. Uh, hope you enjoy today's episode and uh, come back next week for more John McKenzie. Mm. Do you know what my dream is? What's that? Working for you, Joe. <laughs> Hello and 
welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. I'm Joe Devine, and I'm delighted to be joined by a very special guest this day. It's Humphrey Carr. Hello, Humphrey. Hello. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. Uh, Humphrey, you are the executive director of uh, AFC Wrexham or Wrexham Wrexham AFC? Wrexham AFC. And people will have seen you upon the the screens in their homes in the Welcome to Wrexham documentary series. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, We're also joined by JJ and Seb. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. Very damn introduction for the two of you. More build, you more? I feel like that was a bit... Well, no, but I want to make the... You know. I want the main guests to know how important but they I are. Still I mean, feel like they're very important. Do you? Oh yeah, that's good. We'll chip it down over the okay, course yes, of the next uh, the next bit of bit of time. Can you tell me first, please, how you became involved in this thing and what what happened? Yes. So at the start of the coronavirus lockdown fest that mm. we had from yeah. you know March 2020 onwards in in the US and the UK and around the world I was working as a writer on the Apple TV critically ignored sitcom um <laughs> Uh, Mythic Quest which is very good by it the way. is thank you I very really much en- I really enjoyed thank Mythic you thank Quest. you yeah. we got um, d- dominated by Ted Lasso on that platform yeah. but it's a, it's a bit of a hidden gem I think and I was working there working for Rob McElhenney as one of his writers and I would quite often in that room sit and watch football and in, I was there from I think early 2019 through to I, mean, I was doing it still doing it during during lockdown on season three uh, earlier on in this year and I would watch Liverpool games in that room because quite often we would we would be there our lunch break is at 12 mm. that's 8 p.m uk time so you'd be getting champions league games and I and one other member of staff were, were both big into Liverpool and so we would quite often would you get a two-hour lunch break to watch the whole no game? we'd watch what as much as we could basically mm. so we would we would um you know usually get the first we'd have an hour so we get the first half and, and half time and particularly we were watching it a lot during Liverpool's run to the Madrid final in, in 2019 we watched the Barcelona home leg in there and lost our minds and Rob was always lightly intrigued he's a big sports fan but very American about it and mm. like it's boring they just pass sideways nothing ever happens they flop all the time which by the way happens all the time in basketball but for some reason they're fixated on it happening in, sure. in, in football but diving flopping diving right? they yeah. call it flopping but yes basketball is it's rife there but that's fine but when when we do it in football it's unacceptable anyway that's by the by and when we went into lockdown we all thought it was gonna be two weeks that was what we were talking you know the la kind of county health board was like it's two weeks and then we'll go back to work mm. so we were all treating it in that first two weeks it's like this is great we've got two weeks paid holiday just got to stay at home so we're all exchanging recommendations you should watch this you should listen to this you should play this game that the show is based in a video game studio so we there was quite a lot of exchange of that and i told rob look you keep making fun of me for for why I love football, but you don't understand the context, the like cultural DNA context of football for us. You should watch this thing Sunderland till I die. That will give you as good a primer in like what these teams mean to their communities and how it's very different to what being a Raiders fan is in the US. And the Raiders currently the Las Vegas Raiders. They yeah. were the Oakland Raiders. They were the LA Raiders before that. They move around. Sure. Their fans sort of stay with them, but then sometimes just like, well, they they're not in this town anymore, so I'll support this team. Yeah. They, they don't have that same, like, you get bitten by the bug and then it's sort of dreadful for the rest of your life thing that we do. And watching Sunderland Till I Die was kind of a perfect primer. And he texted me and was like, oh, yeah, watch the first episode. It's kind of all right. But Caitlin wasn't that into it, his wife. And, like, you know, we're, we're going to try something else. I was like, okay, I tried. And then he texted me two days later and said, oh, Caitlin's gone out of town. Uh, she'd gone up to check on her folks um, during this whole weird time. And I sat down, I watched the whole both series in one sitting. He's like, I started on episode two, 
couldn't stop. I just watched the whole lot all the way through. Mm. I cried. I laughed. I like jumped out of my seat. I did everything, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, great, you get it. It's job done. Uh, anyway, uh, that's enough of that. But then he was like, we should do this. We should buy a football team. And I was like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> that sounds great. You don't pay me enough, all the usual sort of good mm. stuff. And he was like, no, seriously, like, how much would it cost to buy a football team? I was like, well, I don't know. Like, if you want to buy Chelsea, it's one and a half billion dollars, which I'm pretty confident you don't have. <laughs> but if you go down, you know, if you, as you go further down the pyramid, and the, and the great thing about Sunday Die is that he, he'd seen promotion and relegation. Yeah. That was the thing he was fascinated by because they, 95% of Americans have no concept of that, sure. which is not a, a slight on them. It just doesn't exist in their sport. You know, yeah, you yeah. are... There's a big thing over there of tanking your season. If you're if you're get halfway through the season, you're like, mm, well, I guess we're not going to win. You intentionally lose because it gives you an advantage further down the line. Yeah. And the fact that you you could be in a relegation battle and it would mean that every game mattered for all 38 games of a season or 46 in the National League or whatever it may be. He was just fascinated. So yeah. he said, he said we should buy a team. And I was like, okay, great. I, I continued to think this was a lockdown like conversation that was just two friends sort of sure. jabbering about something they weren't really going to do but I was like I've got nothing else to do so I, I went on Wikipedia and Football Manager literally and was like oh okay these Football Manager as we know is an incredible database of information that's actually quite hard to find elsewhere and I picked out eight to ten clubs uh, in the National League National League North and South uh, and League Two have you ever said what the other clubs were? Uh, yeah, I think I've named some of them. So, so uh, Hartlepool was one we looked at vaguely. Um, Macclesfield was talked about. There were a couple that were talked about, you know, that were in trouble. We were mm. like, we, we knew from the jump we wanted to find somewhere that sort of needed a helping hand or felt like it deserved a kind of a stroke of luck. Yeah. So some of the ones that I looked at initially, we struck off quite quickly because they were in the outskirts of London or Manchester or somewhere where you felt like, well, there's there's plenty of opportunity here already, in a way. Smaller fish in a big pond, a bit. Yeah, it? smaller fish in a big pond. I mean, I mean, Wrexham very quickly became top dog through a variety of factors, but the two biggest were the fans, which sounds like a very pat answer, but it's true, because they, with the season before we came, we became involved or started the process with a COVID shortened season 1920 they were averaging four and a half thousand a week at the race course when they were 19th in the national league yeah it's an unbelievable number of people and it it told you this was a, the definition of a kind of sleeping giant a fallen great of of the game you know the highest place they'd ever got to was then division two in 1979-80 i think they got they were promoted 78 it might be 78 79 Someone will correct me. Those are the kind of details you have to get right now as the executive <laughs> yes. director of Brexit. Yes. Um, but yes, in uh, in the late 70s, um, let's put it that way, they got to Division 2, but it was one season stay there. But, you know, it, they had been getting crowds of 35,000 back in those days. It was, it, you know, it was this great entity that had fallen from heights. They had great adventures in Europe. They'd been Porto in Europe. They, they'd done all sorts of exciting things via the Welsh Cup. That's how they would get in the Cup Winners' Cup. Mm. But now they, they had fallen on hard times. That was part one. Part two was of where they scored really highly on this kind of matrix was the geography. You've got the whole of North Wales that comes through us to go to Liverpool and Manchester to watch Premier League games. Yeah. Well, so I was, was going to say, actually, sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but I went to secondary school in Colwyn Bay in North oh, yeah. Wales, and I knew one person who was a Wrexham fan yeah. then. And I wonder, I mean, do you know, has that changed in the last it's year? It's changed enormously. And, and my, my metric for measuring that is that I, so many folk there tell me when, when I bump into them in the, in the club car park or whatever it may be, that they, you know, they're taking their kids to, to play junior football now. And 
two, three years ago, it was all Manchester City and Liverpool yeah. tops. Yeah. It was all Salah shirts, De Bruyne shirts. And now they are all in Wrexham shirts. And that is, I think that is a sign that you know, people just wanted... They did an unbelievable job, the fans, of keeping the club alive. They rescued it from unscrupulous former owners and they, mm. they supported it as best they could. But the club was on a slow decline I and mean, it was on its way down. We had this huge, wonderful, characterful old stadium but there's a massive money pit. You know, it's a money pit for us, but we're fortunate we've got enough money that we can afford to patch the roof and fix the pipes and do all of this, that, and the other. Mm. But it's an old stadium. And that was creating a slow but steady decline in enthusiasm and, you know, smaller crowds coming each year, smaller budget each year. The team was performing less well each year. And, and I think, you know, well, when we took over and we started to look at the books, I think if we hadn't come in, I think they I think relegation was on the cards and I think possibly a winding up of the club or, or uh, having to sell the stadium and, and re do a Phoenix football club situation. So mm. that all those things were big factors that when we were looking for different teams, like that's you know, why Wrexham. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Wanna get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Was okay. the, the, it being based in Wales, uh, maybe a cynical look at it, but to do with the branding, how it's easier to brand if you can attach it to that whole country well, almost? I mean, I did, I did remember saying to Rob, because it was just Rob and I initially, and then Rob kind of went to Ryan to ask if he wanted to sponsor the team. And he was like, oh, I want to do the whole thing. So, so I remember saying to Rob initially, like, well, this effectively every game is a derby. Like every game that we play has got an edge to it because our fans just you know legitimately have beef with with every team we play uh some more than others some like historical beefs and they travel i think our fans 99 percent of our fans travel incredibly well they're very welcome everywhere they go we've had trouble with elements as a lot of clubs are finding post pandemic there's there's been a kind of uptick in mm. crowd problems especially further down the leagues but yeah our fans travel in great numbers they are vocal they're positive they have a lot of fun everywhere they go but they travel very much with like we're welsh and we're coming yeah. here to remind you of that which is a great thing let me ask you a question about you mm. uh, because i think like when i watched through the the documentary for which you were a, a sort of consultant right yeah so i i don't actually I have no, well, this is my, my line, but it's true. I have very little to say in what goes into the documentary sure. as evidenced by episode, I think, 13, where they show part of me auditioning unsuccessfully for a Star Wars TV it's show. It's one of the best bits. It's magic. mortifying it and I hate it. Um, <laughs> uh, luckily, they, there was more, 
here's the degree of my my uh is that the bit where you got worried about how fat you looked on camera yes you kept doing it again because uh yes yeah yeah i um i there's nothing i can do anything about it i was like i hope they want a fat alien um but they (laughs) turns out they did they did not you don't get many fat aliens do you no No. but on the on the audition on the on the breakdown it was like must be over six foot five so it's like it's got to be an alien Mm -hmm. right so i try i tried to be alieny in my audition and then when i watched it i think rupert friend played the part that i was up for mm. and i was like why well, he they just probably offered it to him anyway I never was going to get this in the first place but also he was not particularly alieny he was just gray he was sure. a person who was gray yeah. he's not the executive director of Rexham, but he's not though. the executive director no. of Rexham, and so let's be honest more which, for him. which is the better role yeah, which brings me to ask sure. you uh, you know i think when uh, people like or love football when they're younger they imagine being a football player and then sure. as they get older, they imagine maybe being a football coach. And then as they become wiser and realise their own limitations, the, the only thing left is like, maybe I could run a football club. You're sort of living out a dream. As someone who, I, I hope you won't mind me saying, didn't have any experience running a football club no. before you arrived. No, no, no. Um, is it weird? What's it like? Does well, it I feel think one like... Of the, one of the key things is, and I've said this a few times, I don't really run the football club. You mm-hmm. know, m- much of my role is, is liaising between the owners and the people who do run the club on a day-to-day sure. basis. So... There are instances where, you know, I, um, you know, decisions come to me to make, and I and I will make those decisions, and they and they get implemented or whatever it may be. But those they tend to be very specific ones, and and they're usually couched in kind of, you know, ultimately, it has to be someone at my level, it has to be a board level person to make this decision. So yeah, I sit on the board with Robin Ryan, and and I, you know, one of the main things that I do and and can do is I can commit the club legally to things. So when yeah. we are. Uh, whether it's signing sponsorship deals or whether we are signing players or whatever it may be, it, I can commit the club to yeah. doing things. So, yes, I have no experience. I, it has been a very steep learning curve. My job has been, I've been a comedy writer and an actor since I left university. And that has a very specific set of skills, not many of which are applicable in, in football or the running of a football club. Some. But, I mean, a lot of it is just I have loved football my whole life i i think i have an understanding of what is important to fans and what what they want and what they care about and my job is to kind of as much as possible and it doesn't require a great deal of steering for me but steer rob and ryan in the directions that i think will be popular you know mm-hmm. there are there are things that they want to do sometimes i'm like oh you know just culturally over here i don't know that that would go down so well and there are other things where I'm like, yeah, and by the way, there have been a couple of those where I'm like, ooh, I'm not sure. And then they've been like, no, we want to do it. And then it, people love it. So I'm sure. like, well, what, do I know? what do I know? I'm an idiot. Was, um, there, um, was there a point when, when you were sketching out the concept for Rob, was there a point for you where you suddenly thought, I mean, because it sounds like you had an amazing job at the time. Was there a point where you thought, no, oh, God, I want this. I'm a football fan. This would be so cool. Even without kind of a, a designated role. Oh, yeah. Well, yes, just to be part of it. At all. I mean, I, the thing that I think I'm, I'm absolutely sure all three of you will, will get what I'm meaning here like the 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 moment when i was like i think there's going to be an opportunity here for me to enter a football stadium wearing a club badge and for it to be a real thing and it for it to be like this yes i'm i am part of this Mm -hmm. and and not just because i bought a replica shirt from the club shop you know i'm i'm a liverpool fan by night now as you can hear from my thick bootle accent, I'm nowhere near Liverpool. I've got nothing to do with it. And how tired you are being up all night supporting Liverpool. <laughs> yes. That's a long yeah, shift. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, I, and I was the definition of a full kit wanker. Like I love, always had all the gear, no idea. I loved it. I, every Christmas, all I wanted was Liverpool stuff. And I've been to Anfield too many times to count. And I love it. And I, I've always felt very welcome there. I've always felt part of it. Hmm. But 
but always with a slight air of like, oh, I'm not really, no one's going to miss me if sure. I'm not here. And I'm not really, you know, I, I haven't done anything to forward the cause. You're not vital to the operation. I'm not, no one, yes, they don't, when Mohammed Salah scores, he doesn't pick me out of the crowd <laughs> and, and thump his chest and, and I give him a yeah, thumbs you up. You don't back. know that because you don't know who he's pointing at. That's true. I mean, I'm always like trying to position myself like, am I in the angle of his point? Um, but, I wonder if he's watched the Welcome to Rexon. I bet loads of footballers have watched it. I mean, that is too exciting to even contemplate. <laughs> it's um, fun, isn't it? I mean, I, my, my, the thing I'm most excited about, well, I'll tell you two things. One thing that's really weird is, and this, this is something that I've found talking to a lot of people inside football, you never lose your love for that other club, mm. but your focus, so much of my energy is going into Wrexham now that now I find myself in situations where I literally be like, oh, Liverpool are playing, aren't they? They're, yeah. they're like on right now. I wonder what the score is, which, which I never could have conceived of two years yeah. ago. It was such a like, my week was so geared around like, okay, all right, just got to get through these next two days and then yeah. there's the Champions League game or, or whatever. And do like Wrexham defeats now affect you in the same way that Liverpool oh, won? Oh, so too? much worse than it, than it was I then. Because mm-hmm. I was always quite good. I love football. I was quite, quite good at getting the high and avoiding the low about football. I was always, always quite sort of good at going, you know, oh yes, this was great. But like, oh, well, you know, what sure. are you going to do? We lost. Uh, that sucks. So I get over it quite quickly. Wrexham is a whole different thing because it's so... I have another job. I still I'm acting on a TV show in the States right now. I'm on hiatus for the next two weeks, which is why I'm here, but I'm going back until until January. But I whilst I am there, I mean I am just all the time I'm on my phone checking like my emails and doing yeah. this, that and the other and just trying to keep abreast of things, waiting for, you know, every Friday night our our uh, head of our medical staff sends an email with like what the current state of every all the players are, like what their <laughs> medical situation is, and I'm like, you know, oh it's kind of Kevin's that, emails coming That's in, a milestone in the week it. for you. Yeah, because it, right. cause it's you know, it's that thing of you know, you have players that are injured and you're like, God, I can't wait until they get back. And yeah. you and you truly have that thing where you know, get an email that's like, oh, someone's progressing faster than we thought, so we think we're going to have them yeah. back two games earlier. And then other things, like there's been a setback with this guy. And it just means so much more to me than reading on Twitter a, yeah. a thing in Liverpool Echo being like, oh, we're hearing that Fabinho's hamstring's still tight. It sounds like football manager when you start yeah. getting yeah. emails. Yeah. Right. Say, <laughs> I was right, also right, going right. to say, like, listening to you talk about it, the documentary is, is brilliant, by the way. Oh, yeah. I think, it. like Thank we you. were saying before we started recording, I think, like, for the three of us here, you know, we got through the first couple of episodes where it feels much more like a normal sports documentary, but then it, t- it turns into something which, like, you can see has been written by people who understand structure. And right. there's a moment in it towards the end when Wrexham are in the uh, the FA Trophy semi-final. Yes. Ryan Reynolds has gone to the game and uh, the episode is quite funny because Rob McElhenney is at home, is upset <laughs> to have been left behind. Yeah. It's all done very well. But the thing I think, uh, you know, amongst other things that sets it apart from other sports documentaries of, of the kind is that I've never seen somebody catch the bug before. Yeah, and right. in, in that moment, you see Ryan Reynolds, he appears to be enjoying it beforehand. He's up for, he's, you know, there's no suggestion that it's a cynical thing mm. on his behalf, but it's not until that moment where you, you literally watch him on camera click. Mm. And it's like, it's actually moving to see it. Yeah. I, I, yeah I no, know. I mean, that, you're exactly right. And that was an amazing thing to be aware of. I, I wasn't there for that game. I was back in the States. So I was following from, uh, from home. And... Sean Harvey, who's the strategic advisor to the board, who who is our man on the ground, who who is kind of been so central to everything we've done, he was there, and he he and I. There's a group thread with all of us on, with Rob and Ryan and Sean and I on that we you know we talk business and updates and all sorts of things. Memes, and then he and I have like separate, <laughs> yeah, lots of memes, loads of hilarious memes. 
Um, and then we have a separate, Sean and I have a separate thing because we're just talking so much more and we don't want to clog that up. And he sent me a message in this separate one being like, oh, Ryan's crying in the corner yeah. at, at, at full time. And I was like, what? And he's like, he's like, I, I don't know what's happened, but he's, he's got it, he got it and he got it bad. Yeah. And it's true because I think up until that point, he had, he'd been into the whole thing and he'd seen the excitement of the whole thing, but his interest, and I will say Rob has gone through a similar transformation, albeit his was earlier and a bit faster. They saw the whole thing initially as a giant philanthropic engine. Yeah. That's what they were excited about was, was one of the reasons we picked Wrexham. It was a town, you know, like many in, in, in the UK, that's been sort of left behind a little bit over the last 20 years. They had a big coal industry, big steel industry, big brewing. It all went away. And there, and there was just a sense of like, this is a place that could just use a stroke of luck. It could use something good happening. So they, Ryan's interest to start off with was like, well, what if we build up this football club thing, that'll be good for the town. And then we can do other things to like, do good things for this town and then over the course of the season he came to the maidenhead game he came to torquay and both of those were pretty disappointing results but he was like this is great it's so it's cool it's fun it's it's like mm. i like this a lot but that game with a with a 91st minute winner effectively followed by a 94th minute sort of certain certainty yes um assurer <laughs> assurer he just lost it and you see they've got the footage there's fan footage of him in the he's standing in the thing with him like with his hands on his yeah. head he just couldn't believe it because it was a great yeah. goal yeah. and it was against our big rivals in the league at that time stockport who who are traditionally a rival of wrexham's anyway but who we were kind of trying to trying to track down in the league and mm. that game that was the point where we started to believe oh we might just pip them to the post in the league mm. spoiler alert didn't go that way but but it was like that i remember at home that moment when I heard the goal go in over the, I was listening to it on, on our like club commentary and like losing my mind and then getting this message from Sean being like, Ryan is sobbing. Yeah. And then you see on the documentary him going around like just embracing players and staff and like it just was a whole, yeah. that was the moment. And from that moment on, there was a marked change in how he kind of approached the whole thing. Mm. He had always been interested and abreast of everything, but he was a lot more like, just proactive and wanted to know about all the details and so much more he'd always been very that way on okay we're doing this community scheme we're doing that we're setting yeah. this thing up we're doing x y and z but he suddenly suddenly started to be very like what, uh, what are we going to do about um you know maidenhead's approach to their wingback system on saturday <laughs> like, like, I, I'll, I don't know the I'll emotional find out you know. solidifies, yeah right? it just became it just became and i'm so pleased because that's the thing that happened to me when my, the first time i went yeah. to a professional football match and was like, whoa, this is incredible. Um, that's what I it's all this. about. Yeah. That's literally the whole point, isn't it? Yeah. So it's like, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's lovely to see that on, on camera. Yeah. Were there yeah. moments for you which were quite intimidating? There's, there's a scene quite early on where you meet the players for the first time. And oh, I, I love that thinking, bit. Me, for me room, too, because yeah. it's like, you don't... Can we say uh, when uh, when Humphrey leaves the room, the the door closes little, slowly, and there's a little giggle, little titter from the room. Certainly is, yeah. Because sure. you, you sound like me, yeah, and you're you're out of your element, and you're in a situation which presumably comes with in the beginning plenty of cynicism. Yeah, was that kind of for you? Was that quite tricky? It was. I mean, I, I, well, it wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, I think the fact that I was just so excited, as I say, yeah. and again, I think talking to the right sort of three people about it because I, I know that all of you, I think, would feel very similar. You, you're like. Well, this is an opportunity I never dreamt I would get. I never, you know, I never even thought, you know, you describe that kind of the course you go through. And of course, I had the same thing. I was like, I would like to score a winner for England in the World Cup final. And I would like to do, I'm sure JJ has a very similar thing. I would like to England. score the winner against, against England. Against England, yeah. <laughs> Ideally, it would be England. Yes, yeah, yeah. Just Ryan Christie just dropping one on your head at the back post. Anyone, um, anyone. anyone <laughs> a, 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 truly anyone. But yes, the the... 
you know, I, I did go through that process and at a certain point was like, of course you're not, you're never going to work in football. You've got no appro sure. uh, appropriate skills. At a certain point in life, I feel like you get locked into a, you know, I got locked into, I'm going to work in entertainment in some way, shape sure. or form. I've not got the skills. For what a drag. <laughs> what a drag. No, I mean, and I, I'm insanely lucky because I work, sure. I have two of my three dream jobs mm. I am doing at the moment. I'm acting on a TV show. I'm the executive director of a football club. I, I will never be a fighter pilot, which oh. is the other one that I wanted to be when I was little, but I w was never that little. And the, I knew pretty early on that I was too tall to be. Yes. Sure. Oh, well, not that. I just literally wouldn't fit in the cockpit of a fighter plane. Sure, yeah. right. I remember going tall. to the Royal Tournament when I was a kid and they had the, they had a like a Spitfire there and, I, and they put me into it and I was probably 12. <laughs> and they were like... <laughs> No, no, unless mate. you stop growing there. Yeah, they were like, <laughs> already you're too tall. What's the royal tournament? Is that a big plane? It was show? a big thing they used to do yeah. at Earl's Court every year. Yeah. It was like a sort of a bit like the Edinburgh tattoo. It was like a tattoo sure. thing. Right. It was great fun. The fire carriage. You know, I've been to it once. Like yeah. yeah. I went to it once. Yeah. Yeah. Have you? Dad, yeah. yeah. All I remember is horses. <laughs> yeah, lots of horses. They would do this thing called, yeah, the gun race where they would yeah. like carry, uh, it was a Navy thing where they like take apart like a gun, a big cannon, yeah. and like carry it from one side of the thing to the other. It was like a, it was like a racy thing. Right? Yes. You shot it first, you won. You it won. Was, it was yeah. like a big like tradition. A, a weird military circus. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a very good description yeah. of it. Yeah. And, they ha and it was also like heavily designed to like try and get 12 year old boys to be like I want to be in the army so yeah. when they grew up they joined the army and it worked on me great sure um, uh, <laughs> until I discovered I couldn't fit in an airplane you were too large yeah they yeah. were like no and I also read uh, Roald Dahl's uh, autobiography uh, Going Solo which talks about him flying hurricanes in Malta during World War II where he was six foot three and he couldn't turn as hard as anybody else because it would bang his knees ah, and I was like yeah. uh, you'll die how did yeah. you not die anyway by the by so uh, you have all these wonderful opportunities so Although I knew going into it that I would be quite, you know, it was like, it was a deep breath. I mean, I remember they have that thing of me like riding up on my bicycle and I would bike into the, uh, into the stadium every day because I was staying about two miles away from the stadium. And I was like, this would be good for me. But every time I was going in, I was a little bit like, okay, uh, let's see what today brings. And actually everyone was incredibly welcoming. Yeah. I think, I don't blame the players at all for being, this is very weird or, or Dean for being, this is very weird because it was weird. It is. It was funny. It's, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah it, it was, it, of course it's like this big, who is this big Wally? And, and, and I, in my wisdom was like, I shouldn't really be here. Well, like trying to be self-deprecating. You're self-effacing and you're I know. kind of charming in a sort of whoopsie daisy kind but of way. But what I should really have done is try to, <laughs> thank you. Uh, I'll take it. No, no, I suppose. That's a compliment. No, I, I am. Hugh Grant yes, I am in the Notting sort of Hill. Daisy you know, it's figure. Figure. Yes. If you're coming in your fighter pilot uniform. Yes. What I should have done is like, as I should have played a part. I should have yeah. sort of kicked the door in and be like, what's up, everybody? But, I was going to say, um, they're not quite performative because it's like a performance, right? You, you know it's going to be nervous talking in front of these boys. It's like, I feel like that in front of them. Well, but it, I think I described it and it was, in, it, they used the, the, my description of it in the documentary, which was, it really was like being back at school and suddenly you were with like all the cool kids from like the, the first 11, uh, the yes. top, the top football boys. And I was the guy that was spending a lot of time pretending to be a dinosaur. And I suddenly had to be <laughs> yeah. like, I'm in charge. You're going to listen to me. I felt that very it keenly. sounds very familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I really did. Oh, no, sure. Because even though, you know, in the, your position within the club, the theoretically, if we're talking hierarchically, you have a very senior position. Oh, you know, for you're sure. Alongside the owners, but you walk into that room with all the football players. Yes. And you presumably feel like a little boy. Totally. And if I mean, if I, if I approach my role in a different way, I could be very didactic. I mean, I, I have the authority, theoretically, to do all sorts sure. of things. Uh, what um, kind of thing? Oh, <laughs> just while... Let's see this yeah. season's team. Yeah, any of you listening, yeah. just behave. No, but um, but very early on, I established with both with Dean and and th that set of players, and then with when Phil came and everybody else. I said, like, look, I'm not going to tell you 
ever how to do your jobs. I don't know how to do your jobs. I have th- I have theories and opinions, but they're no better than anyone else's. Yeah. You know, you see time and again when people come in and take over football clubs, they're like, listen, I'm very good at business. I did this and I made a load of money. And as a result, I know everything about how you do everything. And you get disastrous results. Yeah. That happens quite often. And one of the things that I think Rob and Ryan have been very sensible about and th- that I will say I- I'm going to pat myself on the back about is that we've always gone, we don't know how to do this. All we'll do is try and give you guys the tools to mm. do the things that you need. So if you need something, come to us and then uh, you know tell me and then I'll tell them and I'll try and explain to them what it, why you want this thing yeah. and what the benefits of it is. And by, and by the way, in the main, they're just like, well, if you know, Phil's asked for it, then just give it to him. Yeah. Like if, if they want this and they want that. I mean, you know, the only place that gets a certain point is we set a budget and, it, and you get towards the end of a transfer window and it's like oh if we could just get one if we just get this guy yeah. then we'll do x and y and then you have to have that debate but but you know we've backed them very very uh, uh fully yeah. and and you know we're reaping the benefits now because we're currently second in the national league by one point and we're flying scored an insane amount of goals yeah. um uh and well, the, so you know the, the we're owners credit we'll you for that that's what they say in the documentary mm. i mean they, one of the things they say towards the end is that uh, whilst you arrived uh, not knowing much about mm. what you were going to do uh, they now say that you know you could be like a top football executive or that like incredibly they talk about your, your I think they're trying to offload your... me to another team <laughs> as quickly as possible oh, he's really desperately good. hoping like Flatburn Rovers do you want him he's great when this began did you think that your role in it might be a kind of you know the middleman between you know the beginning and, and, mm. and the end did you think that you would be there forever or are you thinking now that you will you will have a role as long as, as long as they do. I'm hope, I'm hoping so. I mean, I, I my wife and my family all live in Los Angeles, yeah. and I spend half, about half the year here. And she can come sporadically, but she's much more successful than I am in her field, which she's she's also a TV writer, yeah. Um, but like a way better one than me. And so you know, we've always said between her and I, and uh, and she works with Rob as well, so that everyone it's all a kind of big family thing. You know, that at some stage. We know we need to keep an eye on that because it, it's it's yeah. a challenge. It's a, it's a lot of traveling. I spend a lot of time on my own uh, in my little flat in Wrexham, uh, and that is you know it's not necessarily something that is going to go forever. I mean, I think in terms of my transformation, I mean they are being very generous in terms of me being a top football executive. That that's not true. What what I am is I'm very passionate and I love the club and I love the players and I love the fans and I have a very good relationship with the fans because I think in talking to me they realize that I love it and I get one of the things that is so such a blessing about this I would have loved to work for a football team irrespective of what the football team was or, or who the owners were but working for two people and this is real saccharine you can edit this out if it's too great if people are being sick in their cars this is this they're two people who are good people they, they want the best for the team in the town which comes through in the documentary which is produced yeah by a production company they picked or whatever. Yeah. But it makes it a lot easier when we're not here to make a load of money and we're not here to kind of, you know, talking to Sean, who's worked for lots of people over the years, you know, he loves working for Exxon because for a long time he worked for various people who were like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know I said I was going to put 10 million into the, into the transfer budget this winter, but uh, I'm not doing that. And actually, I'd love you to get 2 million out of the club by Christmas, please. Mm-hmm. And he is uh, executive or chief executive or whatever role he had at various different places had to be like, all right, you know, it's part of my job is to go out and sell that to the fans is like not being the end of the world. And for us, it's just a pleasure. So for me, I think what I have brought to the team is just I'm really enjoying myself and I'm positive. And, I, and I've got the nice thing that I'm so far, the fans have allowed me to sporadically scold them when they get too upset about things I don't think they should be too upset about. And I, mm. I can say with truth, like I'm a fan. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm basically 
have the same views as you guys do. Yeah. But all I'll say is like transfer window's not closed yet. We're, yeah. we're working on target. So, you know, last January, we had a thing where we knew going into the January transfer window what we needed to get kind of a more complete team. Yeah. And you see that in documentary, particularly it's Oli Palmer, basically like we need a big strong mobile center forward yeah. who can hold the ball up and bring Paul into play. And you were injured. And I was <laughs> I, I was like, Phil, yeah. just give me a go. And, and he was like, absolutely not. Um, can you touch your toes? It's like, no. It's like, okay, you're, you can't you're out, you got cut. Yeah. Is that really? Oh man, I yeah, yeah. anywhere near You gotta be able to touch your toes. Jo- I have touched out, my feet for years. Well, yeah, I, I'm recently finding it hard to see them when I stand up straight, um, which is also a bad sign. Um, but I, Yes, no, I mean, we knew who we wanted and we and we and it took us the whole of the transfer because Wimbledon didn't want to sell him. He didn't really want to come initially because he's from Wimbledon. Mm. He was like, it's all going well for me. I, I don't know, I'm not sure. And so we had to go through the motions. But when you're a fan, you don't hear what's, you don't know what's going on. You don't understand the ins and outs of it. You don't have all these things. And, and so you are, understandably, because you want the best fit for the team, you start to pat, you're like, Where's, what's going on? What's happening? Yeah. So I think one of the things that has, has grown up that's nice is that like, I think people know that we we're we're in some ways a lot more blunt than than many football organizations like i i write a column in, on the website and i tweet and i'll just be like it's fine chill out and people are like oh okay i guess it's all right and then you know fortunately that works provided we end up do signing ollie yeah, before the yeah. end of the window which at times was looking a bit hairy and we were like oh, we've got to look at other strikers but you know people have put a lot of trust in us which is which is great and and we've you know i think thus far done a pretty good job of repaying that trust yeah. you know, we tend to do what we say we're going to do we've invested a lot in the stadium we've invested a lot in the squad we've we've tried to you know there there are restrictions of things that we can do because of how old the stadium is and how mm. you know we're getting 10,000 people a week now our our food and beverage offering is bad because because sure. we've got two tiny concrete kiosks that are used to serving 4,000 people. Yeah. Um, so we're always like, I'm sorry, you know, people are coming, well, I can't get a sausage roll. It's like, well, yeah, we, we've run out of them and yeah. the cooker doesn't work and, <laughs> and there's not all these sort of things. So, so yeah, it's, it's you know, because we're also getting a lot of people back in who have been going to Premier League stadiums for sure. the last 10 years. And, and so now used to amazing. Like, they've got nachos at Burnley. Where are your nachos? Yeah. Well, well, I prefer well, it without the nachos. It's better than just a pie. Or but I will say to people, pie. to be fair, Eric's fantasy would be like, well, I would, I'd take a pie if you had a pie, but we can't. <laughs> we run out of pies too quickly. <laughs> we're running out of pies and running out of beer on match days regularly and people are like, boo! Can I ask then, do, do you ever get frustrated? Because I remember speaking to, to Steve Morrison, ex-footballer, mm. he's a coach now, on this podcast. And the one thing that he said that stuck with me for ages was that if his coach has asked him not to press as a forward, mm. but the crowd are shouting close him down yes you either do it and the coach is unhappy with you or you don't do it and the crowd think you're doing something wrong in your position presumably it does happen that fans uh, don't like what you're doing oh definitely and and this is not to paint a picture like we've got absolutely everything right and they're happy about everything you know we've had to do things like we put ticket prices up which people were very unhappy about but we hadn't done that since 2006 and Mm. and we made it a pound extra a game which were like i don't know how we could do a smaller price increase but what they will say, which is quite right, is that the knock-on effect to season tickets was a season. T- some season tickets went up by a hundred pounds, yeah. And people aren't, aren't super duper happy about that, but at the same time, it's sort of what I would say is we have a, we have a responsibility to the football club to run it as efficiently and appropriately mm. as we possibly can. So, having been fan-owned for a long time, there were lots of things that were great for fans, great for fans but bad for the football club. Yeah. So we had to take certain steps. Another thing, we had the Centenary Club, which is our sort of our bar in the Yale stand, in our oldest stand, or the, the Rex and Malaga stand as it, as it is right now. That was traditionally 
teeming on a match day. It's one, yeah. of, the, one of the very few indoor spaces in the stadium. But it was actually, it had so many people in it that when we got in and we were like, what's the, what's the license? What do we, how many people are allowed in here? We discovered it was two or three times over the capacity. Sure. And previously, I think the council and local authorities and stuff had kind of looked the other way because they were like, this club is it's hard to be the community it's, yeah. it's in trouble lots of them are fans you know so they didn't want to kick up a fuss but with the increased attention on us now we're like we got to play by the rules yeah. because we you know with that increased intention comes extra attention from people who don't necessarily have the club's best interest in heart so what we ended up doing was saying okay if you want to come in here you can buy a pass to come in the centenary club or, or pay five pounds a game to come in and it really was mostly people like you know you're gonna make way less money than you used to and like well it's not actually about that it's yeah. more about we have to be responsible for things that previously yeah. maybe people brushed under the carpet or didn't want to address or didn't want to you know yeah. think about is, is it easier to do that kind of thing because of the fame of of robin ryan just because in that situation like what do you, you mean like the, do the council listen no no i just mean in, in selling it to fans because mm. what, what can ryan reynolds materially benefit from yeah, Brexit because it is so sort of unimaginably successful already, and Rob McElhenney, of course, is really successful in his own yeah. too. And so there's no there's no obvious agenda beyond we're doing the right thing. Is that does that make it? I definitely, sell? Yeah. definitely. I think I think that people have given us a lot more uh, leeway because of that because because yes, as you say, and they say this themselves in the documentary, like they're not sort of shady foreign businessmen who can disappear back into a into a sort of rabbit hole mm -hmm. if if things mm -hmm. go wrong. People recognise that if they catastrophically messed up here Alec, it alex would carry hamilton them around the alex hamilton yeah. was the was the was the guy who basically tried to kind of essentially run the club down so he could sell the stadium for a large amount of money because it's right in the middle of wrexham it's prime real estate it would be it would be a very valuable asset and so yes i think we we benefited from that for sure and it has allowed us to say you know and i see wrexham fans talking to each other about this themselves online you know, when there are those instances of you know, there, there are certain elements of the fan base who still understand, and are totally fair enough that they're entirely are not into it. They they liked the the philosophy of a fan-owned club. They like being part of that. They like being part of the process. It was a very, the boundary between club and fans was, was non-existent at that stage. There wasn't a, a delineation. The fans were the club. The club was the fans. Mm. And now there is a bit. There's a lot of us newcomers that have come in who aren't necessarily from the area. Um, but who are trying to run the football club for the benefit of the fans. But equally, they don't have that same access. You know, it used to be that, like, as soon as we made a bid on a player, every Wrexham fan knew because it was, you know, the people doing the bidding would literally go down the pub and be like, oh, we've tried to sign this guy from, from Maidenhead. <laughs> it's exciting, isn't it? And it'd be great fun. And, and listen, that's one way of doing it. <laughs> that we, is cool. We, yeah. It's really cool. I get, I I'd understand. I'd love to be that guy in the pub. Just yes. I, I know all yeah. the clubs. Of course. And everyone, yeah, everyone yeah. knew and, yeah. and there was a lot of gossip. And now, you know, now we are, there is a bit more of a barrier and that does create its own challenges because people think, you know, people still go down the pub and tell things, but it's not yeah. necessarily what's actually going on. Sure. And I see all sorts of wild things. I mean, you know, a lot of it is like what we're paying people. There's, there's this, uh, every, Every now and then, myself and Sean and uh, Fleur Robinson, our CEO, and like various different people will text each other, being like, I've just seen we're paying this person £13,000 a week. <laughs> you know, so every time you find one that trumps yeah, the yeah, top yeah. number, yeah, which is currently stands at £13,000 a week, um, which is a, a championship slash young premiership player, yeah. uh, we are not paying anywhere close to that for anyone. You know, we kind of we we laugh, but it you know time was that yeah, people's wages were being discussed in the pub. Yeah, people yeah. were being told X, Y, and Z, and um, 
Well, on that, for, yeah. specifically for you... Mm. Um, I'm getting paid a lot of money. If that's you're, yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> being, you're the one being paid £13,000 a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, you were, you were a successful and noteworthy person before this, right? And I'm sure that, Very you generous. know, pe- people would recognise you or come up to you or, you know, would seek you out. But that kind of recognition is very different from the kind that you would have now, not purely because of the volume, but mm. because now presumably people who recognize you in Wrexham, you have information they want. Like they want to know something that you know, as opposed to just wanting to meet right. you. Do you how, what do you, how do you feel about your status well, people, now in people Wrexham? People have been so, genuinely so welcoming to mm. me. Like I've, from the moment I kind of got there, even when people, you know, I, it's interesting, I've not been there very much. In fact, I've not been, I'm going up tomorrow. It's the first time I've been there since the documentary came out. Right. So I think lots of kind of, the, the hardcore fan base who are obsessed with all things Wrexham know who I am. They are have been so friendly, so nice. I every now and then I get stopped in London or or actually in Chicago on the way here. I was stopped by two people. They were they were documentary fans rather than like Wrexham fans sure. per se. But everybody in Wrexham has been so welcoming to us that and and all the the new kind of additions to the to the family. Which again, I was quite su- not surprised about, not because of Rex, not because of anything, but for me specifically, as we talked about before, me being a public school boy, not being an experienced football person, I think lots of people were initially. I mean, I when when I, my involvement was first kind of announced, I would go and sort of snoop around our fan forums and stuff, yeah, and would see lots of people Looking being like, "Never read the comments, this guy. Yeah. you know." Sure, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, it's like I, I often describe it as like when a tooth falls out, you can't help sort of sticking your tongue in the sure, hole, yeah, um, yeah, sometimes sure. going and looking at what people sound like. But as I say, people have been. And ninety nine point nine 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 percent of of people have been so welcoming and kind and friendly, and I think and I think it's because as I, as I alluded to earlier, they can sense that we are into it. I mean, I, th- yeah. I think one of the biggest things that is, yeah. you know they can say about me is I'm not putting up the money, I'm not doing the this, I'm not doing the that. I, they Rob and Ryan quite rightly have sort of achieved a sort of godlike status in Wrexham because because they have saved this beloved thing from yeah. You know, a, a pretty dangerous path it was on, which was no one's fault. It was just circumstance had set it on this course that was mm. very difficult to correct without bringing in a lot of outside investment. But what people I think have got from me is that, like, I left work late on Thursday night in LA and I went home, went to bed. I, I got home at about nine o'clock at night after, after leaving work, quickly stuffed some things in a suitcase, got up at 6 30, went to the airport flew Los Angeles to Chicago, Chicago to London, London to Newcastle to try and get up there to watch our our fourth round FA Cup qualifier. And if you take out the fact that the climate change and I flew in an airplane, which I probably shouldn't have done, I think people people appreciate that mm. we are busting our humps to get to games and sure. get to watch the, and, and do these things. And I, I was sort of tweeting during the whole thing. One of my flights got delayed and I had to leave my luggage at Heathrow and I had to go and get on a train to get up to Newcastle. You've come here without a suitcase today. I've come here without a suitcase. Because I, I, you're a dedicated as I said, supporter. I had to buy a jumper in, off a, a street <laughs> vendor to, uh, to come here. I went to Uniqlo. I got some underpants. As a, well, the guy had a stall on the street. But it sure. makes it sound like you, you were half naked before you got to no, the street I, vendor. No, no, that's like, true. I went to the, I went to the street vendor <laughs> wearing my very smelly and disgusting clothes that I've been sure. wearing for two and a half days. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I, I they'll sell you anything if you walk up to him just in your pants yeah. Like, yes. yeah. yeah he was like please just put this on and go away <laughs> just take do, it. Go do away. you but, think the, um, that the lovely welcome that you've gotten and the other guys have had mm. at Wrexham a lot of that would that happen without the documentary because it kind of goes hand in hand um, I think it would have done because you know as I say the docu- I mean it was happening long before the documentary came out you yeah. know I, I hadn't I haven't seen anyone at the club since the documentary came out really I've spoken to people on the phone and I've been emailing and zooming and all that kind of stuff but it's been it, I'm going to be interested to see whether 
whether my experience changes, whether more people, more even more of the fans recognize me or more fans feel like they, you know, f- people who maybe have seen me in the car park and been like, oh, that's, the, that's that bloke, you know, now will be like, oh, hello, I know, you know, I, I feel, feel like, like I know you, know you or, yeah. or whatever. Mm. So I'd be interested to see and I, I, I look forward to discovering. I, I think, again, we did various things, or oh, Rob and Ryan in particular, like were behind various things we did at the start, which I think were very clever that that were very that just said look we're you know we we did things like we you know we paid all our players have been furloughed all our staff have been furloughed we came and were like we'll pay you the money that you would have been paid last year as as a kind of welcome it was like 60 grand something like that and it was like just have what you would have had because you've you've served this club for a long time during a difficult period and we want to we want to reflect that and i think lots of people are like oh okay we didn't need to do that that's fair enough and we invested in infrastructure stuff that doesn't really benefit the football club per se but what well, it does but it but it improves the fan experience we we redid the the tech end as it was then uh, or well, it still, still is now actually we we does, currently doesn't have a sponsor if anyone's listening wants to sponsor the, the 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 tech or university end of the of the ground um we went in and kind of redid the concourse in there which hadn't changed since it was built in the 70s and was dark and dingy and kind of terrible uh, and various things we were just like look we're not just baffing money on the first team we're not looking to like just pump and dump this football club like take it up we're trying to do things in a more holistic fashion and i think all those things people appreciated and and yeah were, were nice and, and kind and friendly so mm. It's been great. I mean, the one thing I it said... It comes well, across, like, yeah, loud really and does. clear on the documentary. Really yeah, yeah and, and, you know, it, it's been it's been super rewarding. The, 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 the single best thing about it for me is just... It, it the two things. One, walking into the stadium with a badge on. That's a very selfish little thing that I just get such a kick out of every every time I get to do it. And uh, the other one is, is those instances where, usually before a game, I'm... Uh, and if you're listening to this, kids, don't do this. I, but I go and sort of smoke cigarettes furiously outside the office and chat to people that are coming in. And what will happen is kind of every, virtually every game, someone will come up to me and say, I used to go, I came to Wrexham for 50 years. I was a season ticket holder for 50 years. And I just couldn't, I stopped about eight years ago. I just couldn't bear seeing this thing I love just slowly die in front of me. So I stopped. I, I did other things. But then I came to my first game like, tentatively about three weeks ago with my my grandson and i loved it and i'm back and i'm gonna buy a season ticket next season and mm. I've, I've bought the shirt and and people literally come and they sort of tears in their eyes give me a hug you know that is the that's the single best thing about the whole thing because it, i never story, get that right? it is in, yeah in and it's to be part few of it. years it like it is actually yeah. and it's nice for you to be part of it yeah. it's wonderful i will say one final thing on that which is the, which mm. is the I, I the first first time I zoomed with with Ryan along with Rob, I did say to him there will come a time when we draw three games in a row in the championship in mm-hmm. like 2029, and someone will call you the c word in an airport in front of your children because <laughs> they're a Wrexham <laughs> fan, they're a new Wrexham fan, yes, uh, who's not an old, doesn't remember the bad times, uh, who's you know is like a what I think people sometimes refer to as FIFA football fans, sure. if you know what I mean, the yeah, people yeah. who are like. Oh yeah, I'm into like I'm into I'm a Liverpool fan now because because they're going to buy Mbappe and then when they don't yeah. buy Mbappe they're like I hate I hate uh, Jurgen Klopp and I hate sure. FSG and I was like that will probably happen, but for now you know it's all it's and that's that's we being a victim of your success sure. I'm sure we we would take that we'll accept that if it means we're in the championship and we're in a good place. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. 
Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You have to go in a moment, so I'm just going to ask you uh, one more, a series of very quick Please. questions, if that's okay. Uh, and these are all hypothetical. I you can dre- dream large, if oh, you yeah. will. Uh, the first one would be the, the dream signing, mm. uh, excluding regens, so we can't really go that far into sure. the future. But hypothetically, Wrexham do extremely well over the next six years. Yeah. Who's the dream? doesn't Who's have to be that realistic signing. signing. Well, I think, I think it would be trying to bring back... Uh, oh, I tell you who it is. Nico Williams. Okay, yeah. He's from the the area. Sure. He's someone, he's like a perfect example of someone who, I think he was on Wrexham's radar at one stage, yeah. but, but very quickly was gone into a Premier League academy. Mm. And I would love to get, I think if we were signing Nico, okay, I mean, this is, going really bold. If we're signing Nico Williams when he's like 29, sure. that would be the sign we've gone somewhere mad. Because yeah. we're signing a full Welsh international who's from the area, Premier League player. That's, I'm quite pleased with that answer. It feels well, like really good. Did, yeah. you, did you know that Nico Williams listens to this podcast? It, it, I didn't. Nico, we birthed a transfer rumor. Just yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. news. No, yeah. I plucked him. Also, he used to play at Liverpool. Which is also, I yeah. sort of quite like. Sure. So then yeah. I'd be like, "What's a younger cop like?" A little bit. And right. listen, you know, uh, Coach Phil, lovely. Yeah. Great. We don't want to replace him. Of course. But not. if we were replacing him, who's the dream oh. coach? Well, oh, let's so you see. can't say Klopp. No, of course not. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm trying to look into the future because I'm hoping, you know, we're hoping that Phil's going to build a dynasty here. So yes. he can be, yeah. retire having coached 10,000 games. It's a lovely scene, actually, when he's having his pre-match breakfast with his son. Yes. That's yeah, really that's cool. nice. Yeah, yeah. He's still in the local community. He's, I mean, I think the documentary has been so good for his relationship with the fans because there, there's, you know, there's that classic thing of like, Again, because this, there's this slight barrier that we've built that they, they're not necessarily used to and they yeah. were very kind of communicative with previous managers I think lots of the fans were, were like just not sure about him didn't know that much about him didn't see hadn't seen any side to him they just mm. saw post-match interviews which as we all know everyone is very robotic and very mm. like that's just that's the job that's the job part of the job is you saying yeah well you know we, should, we didn't do the things we were supposed to do very well and we did some mm-hmm. things well and uh, you know you don't get that much so I think watching it they have really taken him to heart since then but my uh, my dream would be Going along a similar path, I mean, Steve Cooper is, again, someone who's he's head of youth at Wrexham at one yeah. stage before he went to Swansea. So be another case of bringing someone back who mm. is who knows is from the area, knows the club. I mean, like Joe Allen, I suppose, if Joe sure. Allen turned out to be yeah. a great, a great, um, I'm thinking about like current players. Sure. Who um, played for Liverpool? Who played for Liverpool <laughs> and Wrexham, and more importantly, yeah. and Wrexham yeah. and our Welsh. Um, lots of those things. Yeah. Um, okay. Otherwise, I would love just like a wild, flamboyant sort of South American. Marcelo Bielsa. Uh, yes, someone like that. <laughs> I mean, Marcelo Bielsa at Wrexham would be amazing. That would be wild. Yeah. It would yeah, be very would, exciting. Yeah, yeah. But of course, this is. I, but Marcelo Bielsa is a bit. Too, oh, this is why I'm trying to pick current players because this sure. needs to be a good 10 to 15 years in the future. He'll be around still. He's not. Gonna he will. Yeah. Yeah. Two more very quickly. Yeah. Uh, three. 
words, please, to describe your current sort of emotional state as it relates to Wrexham? Um, Very odd question, but... Oh, three words. Okay, they don't need to be connected, really, do they? No, um, not to each other. Uh, 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 buoyant. Buoyant, okay, yeah. Tentative, because... Well, <laughs> they're very much not connected. No, well, that's what I said they don't have to be connected, right? Well, no, only because, I mean, the, the, the it said, as I said earlier, the energy that I put into it, I get so stressed. I find it quite hard watching the games. Yes. I mean, last year, when I, I came back, we went on a run, and we won something like 13 games in this incredible sort of period after Ollie arrived in January. We went on a kind of a tear, and yeah. I, I came back into the stadium for our game against Eastleigh, and it was 2-2 in the 96th minute. It was the first game that I had been to since this run began and I was like oh, Jonah I've jinxed it I've ruined it and we got a penalty and Paul was going to take it Paul Mullins dynamite at penalties but I left I left the, I left the stands yeah. and went down and like hid sort of under the stairs yeah. and uh, David who who runs the boardroom sort of is like well, what's going on are you alright and I was like I, was like, I can't. I can't do it. I, like, I thought we just scored. I was like, no, it's just a penalty because he heard the roar. He didn't know what was happening, and I sort of went and like paced on the stairs furiously, yeah. and then heard another roar. I was like, oh sure. my god, thank god. But I find it very stressful. Yeah. So, so, so I'm saying tentative because Your tentative buoyancy. Yeah. Yeah. We've started. We started brilliantly. We've scored, as I say, a hat load of goals. Mm. Notts County have also started really well. Uh, it's a very long season. It's a really difficult league to get sure. out of. Sure. I mean, last year us and Stockport were comfortably yeah. the best teams, and we. We faltered in the in the playoff semi final. We we had some key injuries. You just can't control. I mean, we've got a lot of factors in our favour this year. Sure, we got rid of our. We had transfer windows, which no one else in our division did, yeah. and we managed to get those kind of taken away. Yeah. Uh, so we can now sign players outside of a transfer window. So if we yeah. get a really bad injury in in February, it doesn't yeah. screw us as badly. But yes, buoyant, tentative, and uh, grateful. I suppose grateful. because sure. it's to be doing this at all remains insane and so exciting and okay. fun last question uh you you have uh, an exposure now to the inside of the you know the inner workings mm. of a football club and hopefully you know at a higher level as Wrexham become more and more successful surely as a as a writer and as a comic there is like invaluable material there sure. are you already thinking that maybe you've got <laughs> something in you could you write a sitcom well, or, a, or something about there i mean there is stuff there is enough stuff to fill a sitcom like on a weekly basis sure. really in terms of in terms of things that go on uh, um no question i mean i think at the moment it's something that i kind of i loosely when my agent and manager and stuff back home are always like yeah yeah you're gonna do it <laughs> Why don't you do a TV show about it? Putting that oh, fingers yes. together. There's a, there's a oh. lot of a lot of steepled fingers and like fifteen percent thought bubbles the with swimming pools. Dollar yes, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. But I, but I, I mean, at the moment, I'm, I'm very much. Con it's such a boring. So po politic answer. I'm very much concentrating on like just sure. doing the job at the moment. You're I mean, doing the post match interview thing right now. Yeah, I am yeah, right now. Yeah. Listen, yeah. in some area, you know, we've done, uh, we did some things very well, some things not so He's well. A real we'll look at it again. On, you know, really on yeah. Yeah. I am having to learn to be less candid. Sure, <laughs> genuinely, because yeah. I do. I am often like, yeah, I thought this was great, although this was bad. And then the, the single biggest takeaway I've had from doing this is you get inside football, you get behind the velvet rope, and you are reminded of the most obvious thing in the world but that we all forget which is just a group of human beings yeah, yeah. it's like in any other job it's like any other office some players don't like each other very much some players like each other loads mm. some players you know we, we had all these situations like, so Paul Mullen for example mm -hmm. much made when we signed him he's dropped from League Two's top goal scorer he should be going to League One maybe a championship club he's come to Rex because they've offered him bolt loads of money mm -hmm. he came to Rex because he got fed up driving from Liverpool to Cambridge yeah. every day yeah. and, and it was as simple as that We've, we, have, we pay him well he's probably one of the best played players in the division sure. probably but I don't know what other teams are paying who but it truly came down to him just being like yeah. I can't face 
sitting in traffic yeah. um, around Cambridge when I'm trying to get back to my son. Well, there's the other example of the player whose name I've forgotten um, from the documentary who him and his partner's uh, child passed away. Oh, Jordan. Oh, yeah, Jordan. Jordan. And, like, and yeah. you kind of, you know, I watched, I watched that episode. It's obviously like horrifically sad. And then yeah. I sort of forget that happens and I watch him playing football and then mm. they bring it back three episodes later and I go, oh, he's been playing like this for the whole yeah. second half of the season. Like that's horrifically it's sad. It's and it, it goes from my head so yeah. quickly yeah, as, yeah, I'm, yeah. as I'm watching, you know. No, totally. And it's that, you know, again, we all, we all do it. We, we're, we're all fans of various different teams and, and have, have a vested interest in them. And, and, you know, you love when it's going well and you, you know, but you, you don't fully comprehend. We, we had Sean Pearson, who was the Wrexham captain when, when we came in. Uh, he was kind of a club, bit of a club legend. Uh, or he, certainly he had been, you know, a stalwart of the team for about five years. Very popular figure. Great guy. Great captain. Uh, and we wanted to keep him on. Mm. Offered him a contract at the end of the end of that season, uh, the first half season that we took over. We we're like, would you could you stay? Do you want to stay for another year or two? Um, you know, be the captain. You might not be playing all the time, uh, but you would be a very valuable yeah. figure. And he was said yes. He was into it. Shook hands, went home, came back the next day, and was like, actually, I'm going to go to Grimsby. And we were like, oh, why? He's like, well, my wife's family. We're, we're from that area originally. Yeah. Her family were there. We've had a baby. We spent the last, you know period of time in lockdown we haven't seen them very much it would just make life way easier yeah and you're like okay fair enough fan base like this what's happening we've lost yeah. our captain where's he going he's living his life he's he's a yeah. 33 year old man he's got kids he's got to look after them human being he's a human being and that's the thing that we all forget so much yeah. is that is that it is it is human beings are plenty it's yeah. harder to uh get angry with them when you remember yes, isn't it totally so that's why we forget totally totally yeah. totally yeah anyway uh humphrey carr thank you so much for joining us um, do you want to I don't know what's the name of the show you're working on can you tell us or no? uh, yes it's called American Auto it's not on over here oh. so, but if you're an American person you can people watch it are, people are listening yeah, yeah, Americans yeah. Yeah. so it's on I think you can watch it on Peacock in America it's Peacock. on NBC um, normally but it goes there which what's is, Peacock Peacock's like a streaming service oh. it's NBC's streaming service oh. it might be on Hulu as well I'm not sure but series 2 we're filming right now we reckon uh, in well, the, the spring well all the best with uh, Wrexham and with uh, Peacock thank you yeah <laughs> Uh, that's not what the show is called. American Auto, American Auto. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> the Peacock, yeah, I mean, it's on Peacock. So. Uh, thanks, man. Oh, Lordy, thank you. Yeah.